0: I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Mankato. I run hip-hop by the Instagram and Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. Soon to be mastered on. And it's time to to the fifth element.
1: <laughs> like the fifth element of hip-hop. Which is knowledge. D-I-T-D up on the roll side of the tracks. D-I-T-D up on the roll side. to be a rhythm it's like to be a different 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 rhythm to that one with cadence, flows rapper words I ben you rap it as we been my rap my rapper what what are rapper hands like? oh you do it the jazz are. hands what are rapper hands yeah the hand
0: movements and the 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 bounce just 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 left left hand on the nutsack Yo, Ben. Yeah. How's your week, Ben? You're one of those. What are you to this week? <laughs> uh, this week's been interesting, actually. Um, I listened to a couple of albums. It was a weird release week. Like, we got Nas and Hit Boy, obviously, but we got Black Eyed Peas in there as well, which I don't think many No, we people... don't. I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about them. Okay. The Black Panther soundtrack came Someone out. Someone um, Black Panther 2, and it's freaking amazing. I think that in comparison to the... Th- I love the first one. I played it. I rinsed it so hard, man. I played it over and over and over and over again. I can not I can barely listen to it anymore because I just played it so many times. But this was good. This was completely... Well, it wasn't completely different, but it was a little bit different. I thought the production on the first one was certainly in the same realm as the production on this. But the artists that they enlisted on this album, uh, incredible, man. Like, really diverse artists. Like, a lot of artists I'd never heard of before, which I really appreciated because it allowed me to discover some... Um, <clears throat> some yep. artists I hadn't heard before. Let me just get the soundtrack up. Um, yeah.
1: While you talk, while you say, while you look it up, I watched the film. I didn't listen to the soundtrack. Oh yeah. What was it like? Why, uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, but okay. uh, I saw the I've seen the tracklist to the soundtrack, and uh, it it tracks in terms of what the, what they were going for. Because if you see the film, um, there's obviously uh, 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 homages to uh, kind of like a Mayan slash Mexican Spanish, you know, yeah. just um, okay. uh, Spanish speaking. Uh, so yeah, that pro- that probably tracks. When I saw, you know, the likes of Snow the product, there, I was like, yeah. Yeah, okay, I see what you, I see what you do.
0: So yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a throw when you're listening to it and it's quite Afrocentric and African based, and then you've got Snow the product coming in there and just rapping in Spanish. <laughs> like I was like, wait, what? What's yeah. going on here? So, it's good to know that like I understand it a little bit better now. I thought the E forty on that track was. Horrible, like I don't know. No, I love E40 with didn't all it that. no, it didn't fit at all. I'm like, wait, what? What are you doing? No, because no, 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 no. <laughs> it's very the, the whole thing is very curated, the aesthetic is beautiful. And you know, E40 is not a curated kind of person, like, he just comes in with his typical flow. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, but the Burner Boy track is incredible. Tam's doing No Woman no cry Cries, great. Um, yeah, not nah, yeah, man. Tough. Toby and Wigway and uh, Fat and Wigway doing it, uh, they they want it, but no. Oh, straight up bang. You know what it remember? Uh, I was actually listening to it with my partner while we were working out yesterday. And uh, she was like... Um it sounds like a song you've played me for me before. She said, I love this song. And I said, well, this is it only came out yesterday. Like, it's the first time. She's like, it sounds like one you've played for me before. And it's the Yugen Blackrock track from the original one. Like, the the kind of energy is the exact same. It's really incredible. It was a really nice throwback to that. I enjoyed that. But yeah, man, great project. Really, really great project. It's probably, I don't know if I like it as much as the first one. But I think I need to listen to it more and just, like, let it sit. Um, and I really want to watch the movie. We'll talk about it in a lighter note. Uh, all the stars
1: hit way deeper on the end of the film than the
0: Rihanna yeah. uh, mean, track, but yeah, that's just me. Yeah, the Rihanna track was a bit I don't know. I'll have to see it in, in context of the movie, but yeah. Um kodeco dropped a new project. This is a great project. Uh there's a couple of like really good like rap sections. Like the one the track with Danny Brown. It's incredible to hear Danny Brown and hear him like that in 2022 because we barely hear anything from him anymore like apart from his podcast like you don't really hear that much about danny Fire. brown but wow, he sounds incredible on this song and then the track after it is called not and that is a brilliant song but the whole start of the album is like he must have been listening to some broken social scene or some animal collective or it is very well done like you hear a lot of artists these days that are blowing up and they're creating these kind of like mishmash hip-hop hybrids with alt rock and they 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 don't know what they're doing i'm not going to name any names but they, they have no idea what they're doing they they just like got a guitar on the song and it's like no 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 so you gotta do a lot more than that and Kudeka has done a lot more than that Kudeka knows what he's doing and this was a brilliant project it's quite long it's 57 minutes and 11 songs so the songs are quite long but they're all well thought out and they're well developed and they progress and they move through different phases each. So it's, it's really good. It's a really good project. I enjoyed it a lot and highly recommend that. Glorilla dropped an EP and it's a banger. It's a straight up banger. I uh, really enjoyed that project. Um, what else have we got on here? We've got Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas dropped uh, like a Spanish album and it's, it's a banger. It's a straight up banger, man. It's, I'm not going to lie. It's great, it's really, really, it's so weird, their career trajectory is so odd, man, to me, it's just crazy, you never know what you're gonna, well, you know now, but like, nah, it's good, it's it's decent, it's very poppy, of course, it's got, uh, I want to see who's on it, it's got some massive names on it, they've got 38 million Spotify monthly listeners, like people are still tapped in to Black IPs. they've got uh, Annual AA, Daddy Yankee, Nicky Jam, um, Nicole Scherzinger from the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> Like, come on, bro. They got Shakira on here. They got Shakira. She, bruv,
1: bruv, Nicole Scherzinger is, like, known here now just for, like, doing corny fucking yoga ads. Like, it's crazy. Like, just... Oh, she, she just living her life, man. Get Don't the bag, you wish your down.
0: friend was hot like me? Fucking bangers, man. <laughs> They got a uh, on here. It's, it's all right, man. It's, it's it's fun project. Like it's probably not something I'm going to listen to too often. I'm not going to sit down and dissect it. But yeah, it was. Oh, all right. not album of the year. No, I mean, well, Nas and Hip Boy was the album of the year this week. So I like, fucked that one up because I tweeted it an hour earlier. But the we- like, the weekly,
1: the weekly, uh, the weekly uh, troll yeah, tweet. Yeah.
0: People are getting upset at that. People are really getting their panties in a bunch over that. But we, I guess we talk about it. The Nas and Hip Boy album. In, just wasn't for me just wasn't for me i really liked beef i thought that was a great track the rest of it was just kind of rinse and repeat for me uh i mean i really don't think nas needed to do three king's diseases like the first one was really good because it was quite different it was quite unexpected for him to link up with hit boy and get a producer on board for the entire project i mean obviously People say he picks bad beats, but in fact he picks bad freaks. Like we were wrong. We thought he picked bad beats, but he said it straight in this. He's like, "I don't pick bad beats. I pick bad freaks." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, this is it. There yeah, we get Got the same, same old Nas again." Like, but I thought oh, God. I thought thirty was okay. Um, that's what I liked. I liked the tracks where he like thirty basically is the only one where he went over more modern instrumental. Don't get me wrong, I love Hitboy, but like not on these kind of beats, man. It just didn't have that warm feel. It didn't have that... It didn't envelop me the way the No ID project would, for example. You know, it didn't have a mad lib energy to it. And I know that Hitboy is not on that level, but still, man. If, if Na... A legend like Nas, is going to lock in for three straight... Pro- Did he do magic as well? He might have even done magic. Bro, if you're going to yep. lock in with a producer for four straight projects... Uh, it's gotta be a bit better than this. Like the, the production wasn't for me, and Nas, you know, Nas is Nas. He's just keeping time on this. I don't think he was breaking any new ground lyrically. It doesn't feel like he's, you know, it's almost like with the King's Disease series, he created like what? How many tracks is it? Like fifty tracks, and he did them all in like you know, twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. And he's just drip-feeding them to us, you know, 50 or 60 tracks, and he's just giving them to us time. Because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of growth from... And I know it's only been two years since the first King's Disease, and maybe that's part of my problem too. It's like, I think Nas is a very intelligent person, and I'm very curious to see how he feels about the world. But getting projects from him so quickly, one after the other, I don't think has ever worked in his career. Like, when he's done it, you know, he did Illmatic, and it was written, and they were great. But then the next couple of projects were like, okay, maybe it's a bit much, Nas. And then we got Stillmatic... That was incredible. And then we got what God's Son, I Am, Streets Disciple, and it just kind of went down and down and down. And then Untitled pushed it back up, and then it went down and down. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think we need a project from NAS every six months. It's too intense, man. It's too intense. So it just wasn't for me. Maybe I need more listens, but knowing me, I'm probably not going to go back and listen to this again. I'd listen to King's Disease again. Um, but we didn't really like magic, I don't think, and I can't really remember much about KD too. Like this is a thing with Nas. Nas albums are events in my <laughs> life, bro. Come on now, Nas albums are events in my life. Like still going. <laughs> it's Nas. You have to. <laughs> No, what, Nas gives us four albums in two years and I can't speak about him for more than four minutes. Like, come on down, it's fucking Nas, bro. Like, He's, he's <laughs> fucking hammering us over the head with songs every three minutes. I'm going <laughs> to give him some fucking words. Uh, it wasn't for me, KD3. It just wasn't for me. But that's okay. me, Charlie. What did you get into this week? Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: fucking hell. Got you in a tizzy, hey, Fuck. <laughs> All right, fucking I mean, look, it's not fucking right. FBG go. It's fucking Nas, bro. It's not. It's not Lil Uzi Vert. Right. It's Nas. All right.
1: All right,
0: okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Um,
1: back, back to regular schedule programming. Uh, eleven projects for me. this, oh, uh, this been kind of banging them out. Uh, Hector Roots Lewis, uh, De Rootsman. Uh, so, so EP. Uh, five tracks, uh, sixteen minutes. Um, a really interesting uh, eclectic mix of just all of that uh, I, I would say I'm not gonna say just reggae, but like uh, J- Jamaican centric music can bring to you. Um, you got some love tracks like good connection, you got the you got the deep uh, got the deeper higher blessings kind of track like King said. Um, and yeah, it's just got it's it's got some nice uh, nice uh, variety to it. I will say so. Uh, I think there'll be like one track for everybody that um, enjoys this uh, this um, this uh, side of the uh, side of the music spectrum. Um, so yeah, shout out to Hector Roots Loose on this one, and shout out to Dubwise Jamaica for putting me on. Uh, oh God, I've, <laughs> I wanted to get this name. I was practicing this name while I was listening to it, and now I've like please just uh, is it Nas? <laughs> <laughs> Chill out. Uh, Céline Saint-Aim uh, with a things uh, I think that's how you say it. So, um, yeah, Céline Saint-Aim um, is a, a double bass player, singer and composer of Caribbean and West African origins. Um, what you get with this album, is, vocally especially, um, is a lot of uh, multilingual things going on. Um, you get a bit of English, you get a bit of French, and you get a bit of uh, some 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 other stuff. A lot of flavors here, um, but you have this um, woman who's coming through. You know, double with a double bass centric centered jazz album. It uh, it kind of leans a lot of th- a few times towards more classical elements. Um, I would say more uh, minimalistic than you know just you know booming orchestral things. But uh, you know kind of minimal um, on that front. But it's a, it's a nice project. It's a nice listen. Thirty eight minutes, eleven songs, not too long. Uh, nice and nice and tight. Um, and yeah, you just get some really. Uh, it gets some different flavors every time. Um, but the but the production is very consistent and uh, flows very well from track to track. I will say, um, but the vocals and the lyrics and what you get, what you feel from the ones that you can't decipher, if you don't speak English or whatever language she 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 pops out. Um, you know, it's just it's just, it feels good at least. Um, and that's what and that's all that matters. Um, so yeah, it sounds it's Selene. I was saying Selene nice uh right uh oh no not that one uh ezra collective uh where i'm meant to be so i went to i wanted to spin this from last week um and uh yep It's exactly what i thought it'd be uh one of the best british jazz albums of this year um i love this i love this group um they always bang out the park um this is probably their best album out the bunch um you know, uh, You Can't Steal My Jewel is good as well, and obviously Juan Pablo is a philosopher, but I feel like this is their best work so far to date. Um, immediately just pulling me in from the features alone, Sam the Great, Koji Radical, Emily Sande, Neo on the back end. Um, you can't pick four eyes that that they'll just um immediately uh have me going yes. Where do I sign to listen to this right now? Um, and yeah, they have just such fucking good energy when they when they when they play when they play together. Um, it's booming, it's energetic, it's uh, it's got power to it. Um, the features as well just um bring just uh, just some really good stuff to it. Uh, Emily Sandel, Siesta, Koji Radical No Confusion, Sampa the Great um, along with some great backing vocals behind her on Life Goes On the first track, absolute banger uh, but yeah man, just some just some really good stuff, really really good stuff a um, few uh, interludes in there from other people, words by TJ Steve, um, but yeah, just just to cut it up a little bit but, um, it's one out of eight minutes, so nice and chunky um, but yeah man, probably their best project to date Shout to Ezra collective. or or as Georgia Smith um says on one of the tracks, out in the street they call it Ezra. Uh, excuse you. Uh, Ocean. Uh, Volume Two. So I haven't listened listened Ocean in a in a in a minute. Um, probably since their first record actually. When was that? Bittersweet in a 2018. It's been a while. Been a long time. Um, but yeah, I love these girls, man. I love these girls. Um, they come through with just some firm. Hip-hop fusion, a little bit of R&B, but mainly hip-hop and, uh, you know, just um, uh, 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 variations of such. Um, But they come through with some bars, some nice bars, very energetic, very great charisma from both of them. They just got some really good charisma. Um, 100K is a full-on flex track. (laughs) So is Milk, actually. Uh, Juju's a banger, the first at the end is a banger uh text the first tracks great as well this is some really good stuff on here um they have an interesting i guess uh uh, uh what, what do you want to call it a persona outside of the music um they i i I've, I, I mean ocean just just look up that kind of stuff and oh yeah oh yeah OSHA. Yeah, um stuff like that i think that's how you say it i forgot i forgot the term they say in the tr- they say on one of the tracks but anyway um, they, they have an interesting persona on the side on the, on the back end and uh, clearly one of them is pregnant so congratulations to uh, uh, to them as well um but yeah shout out to ocean um, heady one no borders european compilation project so I always find it interesting when um you know i i don't you know i'm not i'm not into you know just ranking you know uh, certain ice in their certain fields but i feel like heady one is just doing so well just to not be pinned down by uh by Whatever people think he is, right? Drill eyes, whatever, right? Obviously, he talks about that a lot. It's, that's you know, this is that's the you know g- general uh, patter uh, subject matter that he talks about. But this is fascinating. Um, similar to the Black Panther soundtrack, actually, obviously, as you can imagine, no borders, European compilation, um, and from the features, um, this is a this is a European affair. Um, it's not just heady One, you got um, a, a <laughs> you got a ton of. Artists here um, that you can discover for yourself, and um, I feel you know respect Hetty for doing that. Uh, one I looked up called Nedge um, has four million fucking monthly listeners, so it's just so fascinating uh, when you uh, when you when you dive into just um, international waters and just uh, just see these artists that are doing it big elsewhere, and you've never heard of them until someone like Hedy One brings them on a project with him and puts his name on it. So uh, you know, highly respect that um, just reaching out. Um, and uh, broadening everybody's horizons um, And that's always for the better So shout out to anyone on that front uh, Vic Spencer, friend of 5e, Vic Spencer Impact, I must punch a car today Hilarious title um, Spit book, rail right the gate, banging uh, It says 10 tracks, uh, 24 minutes uh, uh, Ankle John ankle, you- ankle John? That's uh, spelled so weirdly And uh, Fly Anakin on Rusty, si- rusty Silverware is crazy um, <laughs> uh, Pure Carnage Disappointed Development, uh, just some really good stuff on here. And Vic Spencer is just, you know, standard procedure, man. He's, he's coming through, always coming through, coming for next. Shout out to Vic Spencer. Uh, Murs, The Grouch, and Reverie, Um, These Hands, are called, uh, uh, that's what they're called, apparently. And uh, it's called Three Company. So, I like this album. Um, they're all West Coast based, um, so you get a little bit of West modern, contemporary West Coast flavor here. Um, the skits, man, the skits just don't hit for me. I get what they're doing; they're being tongue in cheek, you know. Uh, so, and uh, apparently, Reverie has an OnlyFans, so they uh, make a joke out of that in literally a, a skit called OnlyFans. Um, and there's one on a um, uh, toilet seat down, literally just the second second track. It's just it's just two dudes like um, you know, reversing, reversing, roll reversals. Like, what what's a toilet seat supposed to be down? So why is you know why do we have to put it? Uh, uh, you need to put it up. Da, da, da. So it's like, it's like okay, it's just yeah, yeah. So It's a lot. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of the role reversal thing. You know, uh, uh, f- fuck on the first day. You can you can see where it's going here. So, apart that, it's a solid project. Um, there is one track. I'm not too. I think. I mean, catfish is okay. It's it's, it's fascinating. Um, it's got a slug on there as well from Atmosphere. And um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, There's a couple of tracks so I would do that, out. Um, but past that, uh, stuff like "Most High," "Where I'm From," solid tracks. Um, to to live and drive in LA, mm, tasty, tasty, nice and chill track. Really love that. Uh, Doom Cannon, love that fucking name. Uh, Renaissance. Um, so the Mojo. Uh, Mojo. Hi. The MOBO Awards have recently announced their nominations and uh, I saw their nominations for Best Jazz Act and I'm aware of all of them apart from Doom Cannon. So I looked up Doom Cannon and I spun uh, Renaissance, uh, which released in July. Shout out to Brownswood R- Brown's Recordings, uh, one of the best independent labels in the UK. Got Zara McFarlane, Yusuf Days, Kokoroko on there. Um, just got a really great lo- a roster. And uh, this is good. I like this. This is this is so so textured. Um, there are just so many textures going out throughout the throughout the throughout every track. Um, if you, it's one of those things where you need to just um, if you if you can if you I don't know if you can everybody can do it but you know just focus on like one instrument and then just f- and then go to the other and then it's just I don't know. It's very fascinating how that works. I don't know how he does it, but it's 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 just. It's great uh, craftsmanship um, in terms of music. Um, but, yeah, man, really good stuff. Um, Black Liberation at the end, powerful, powerful track. Uh, 44 minutes, nine songs. Nice and tight. Um, get into that, definitely. Uh, again, one of the best jazz albums this year, UK especially. Uh, Tyrant Isaac Stewart, literally no space in that <laughs> with Sick. Um, I forgot how I got put onto this, um, but uh, I think I saw him feature on a recent album that I listened to, and I was interested... Um, and uh, I saw you was dropping an album, so I was like, "Go on then." Um, shout out to Theon Cross and Moses Boyd for coming through for mo- uh, for a few of these as well. Um, it gets very, it gets very eclectic um, as it, the, deep, the deeper it goes. Um, it gets a bit industrial some at some points. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure on that. Um, and the and the and the, uh, the the vocals and the just the general performance of it. Um, not too into that. Uh, it gets a bit. I don't know, spoken wordy, but I'm just very... uh, uh, What's the word? Um, Trippy, I guess. Is that uh, the word? Trippy? Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's just just a bit off-putting, I guess. Um, Connecting... Trying to connect it with the music as well. It's just a bit... eh. But yeah, solid album, regardless. Um, Shout out to uh, Tyron Isaac Stewart, first album. Um, And lastly, King's Disease 3. No, right. So... Um, it's the Hater over here, um, just uh, coming through with all all
0: that hate, 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 oh, hate, yeah, hate, I'm, hate a, I'm a Nas uh, Sure, okay. I'm a hater. 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 I got fucking Nas on vinyl. Relax, bro. <laughs> Come on down.
1: My point is, um, is while this is more of the same uh, from Nas um, lyrically, um, some you know questionable bars here and there. I do always wonder just, uh, you know, he's probably the most scrutinised artist from a lyrical perspective in hip-hop history. Mm -hmm. And yet, he just sometimes just plops out these duds of of bars. And I'm just like, are you not aware who you are? (laughs) People are just going to... Because every time, bro, every time he drops, all I see are the bad ones. I see the bad bars. It's like, what's not doing here? What's his track? The Jay-Z bar about like Takeover on Tidal or Ether on Tidal. I'm like, you know, and it's just all people post. And, bro, it's 17 tracks, and it goes pretty decently. Like, apart from maybe Till My Last Breath, ironically, the bonus track, I'm just not here for, not into that at all. Um, And maybe WTFSMH. Yeah, I hated that song. I hated that bonus track. Not into those. But, yeah, past that, I don't know. Most of it's solid. Like, I can't complain. Uh, You know, 17 tracks, no features. That's brave, bro, and I respect it. Brave so, uh, or stupid. You know. Oh, oh yeah, sure. Uh, bro, he uh, had <laughs> Lauren on
0: the first. You can't. It's just no. Nah. You got Lauren on the first one. But just Second. do something else now. Do something else. Come on now.
1: What do you? Oh, what, what? Okay, so this is my thing. So you know, I I I feel probably the same where I'm like I can do with you know a year off from from hearing another King's Disease, um, but I'll take it. You know, there's, there's still some good stuff here. It's 17 tracks. Are so you gonna bin everything? It's fine. It's good. It's solid. Album of the year worthy? Maybe not. I don't know. But it's it's still top tier in my mind. It's still better than most things coming out. Um, it's still higher than average. And I don't see people getting a fucking young boy for dropping all the fucking time and he gets spin. So I, I don't know what I don't know yeah, what the beef that's, is. That's so, different, bro. Uh, like
0: beef. completely different artists.
1: I know different artists, but I don't know. Like okay, Benny, uh any Griselda project, like, you know, they're constantly dropping and no. I don't see
0: anybody bitching. Well, but I so complained it. about burden of proof. I didn't like that. Okay. And good that was with Hip Boy. Uh, was that not with Hip Boy? Wait a sec. Wait a sec, what's going on
1: here? Oh oh he's found it. oh he's found it he's found the link. Oh yes, no, right. it's Call not Hip Boy,
0: girl. is it? uh yes it is oh dear so. maybe i don't like Hip boy but even
1: with that i actually i actually like the beats on here i think they're probably the strongest thing out of this so i really enjoy the soulful it's, it's very soulful most of the time and i'm I, here for that all the
0: day so yeah it's good stuff um, get bink bro get bink what are you doing bink exists <laughs> he's in the world he's out there and just get bink with
1: that said we shall hop into our topic for this episode which is a retrospective on the 90s uh boom bap graffiti rap uh, g- uh trio, I mean he said duo uh artifacts. First of all, um just the fact that they're um that they, are you know, they had their roots in graffiti is very respectable to me and the fact that they call themselves the artifacts to go with the graffiti element, I I fucking I fucking love that. Best on um, the best names for a group uh, uh just completely original res- respect on that front. Um but yeah obviously recent death of uh tame one uh just kind of um brought us, brought us here to be honest um got a few albums obviously uh from well, two from the 90s and one that recently just dropped um shout out to Ricky um a French artist that I follow on IG I actually did an interview with her <laughs> like years ago uh ba- back in back when the the five u was like on like one or two years old. And uh, yeah, I saw that she did the artwork for the third album, uh, along with Buck Wild. and um, yeah, some good stuff on there. So uh, look up her stuff. I think it's, I think um, I'm gonna look up her IG while I while I talk right quick. But um, yeah, so some um, she's got some really good fucking just fucking great stuff. I actually have uh, one of her art pieces she gave uh, she uh, gave to me of like a DJ premiere. Uh, uh, Ricky 400ml um, on IG. Um, seriously, one of the one of the fucking best um, just artists now doing it like she does so many disciplines it's crazy and it's all hip-hop um so you know what more can you want but anyway gas over um artifacts ben what have you got for us
0: yeah well i think that few artists can say they did more for hip-hop in new jersey than artifacts especially team one (laughs) specifically man like he regularly been given his flowers as a pioneer pretty much changed the way new jersey artists rapped in an interview, he actually spoke of artifacts recognizing their own importance as some of the earliest voices in the area. Uh, New Jersey and artifacts are obviously inextricably linked. You know, while the region experienced a pretty big boom in hip hop coverage, when Sylvia Robinson and her husband actually founded Sugar Hill Records there, they founded it in New Jersey. I didn't know that. You know, rap was so unorganized in that area that Sylvia and Joe Robinson would literally walk the streets asking random people if they could rap that's how they found rappers back then it's crazy so artifacts tells of the disorganization saying that the five elements of hip-hop had been scattered and condensed down to straight rap With new jersey lacking a really definitive sound and most assumed that they were from new york but along with red man and naughty by nature and of course the fujis when they came out they began to separate the sound from new york in a vulture article on the history of nj rap they they said or they listed theatrics and eccentricity you e- can eccentric. why am i not why am i blanking on how to eccentricity? except why am i blanking on how to pronounce that word This it's is a bad start eccentricity is the hallmarks of new jersey hip-hop and that's where artifacts come in you know their history begins with graffiti because elder sensei said he first discovered tame one through his tag which he told 1am sf he says i went into this building and i saw tame's name everywhere in the room i was like whoa okay so this is where he'd be at I didn't know he rhymed too. Once I heard the songs, I was like, damn, okay, maybe one day I'll meet him. And when I come through here, we can do something. So this happened in 1986, uh, which was Elle's junior year of high school. Now, Tame and L had a bunch of mutual friends. And it kind of seemed destined that they would link up and create music together. Tame told the same interviewer, I was hearing his songs and he was hearing my songs. And ironically, I was like, yo, who the fuck is that? When I meet him, I want to rock with him. We did two joints, Break It Down was the first one, and the chemistry worked. We just kept going, we started doing songs, we started doing shows. So back in the day in New Jersey, they had these talent shows they actually had to audition to to get involved. Like you had to pass an audition to be in the talent show. And once you were accepted, you actually had to rehearse. So that's pretty high-end. These were high-end uh, high talent shows. Artifacts, first ever group name was not Artifacts, in fact, like right up until they were signed, they went by a different name. And that name is That's Them, uh, which the label immediately stomped out. But we'll get to that in a second. Now, according to Elle, this name came about because they were so well-respected and ubiquitous in these high-end talent shows that everyone turning up to the tryouts, uh, you know, who Elle said were friends from their block, would point them out and say, That's Them dudes right there. So they ran with That's Them. And L said, because we show up, sometimes we didn't have to do rehearsals or triads after a while because they were just so well respected. So, when speaking on their motivation, just to rap in general, El said the fact that Redman, Naughty by Nature, and Lakim Shabazz had all been signed was hugely empowering. They actually said that uh, Artifacts was pretty much the last group of that era and that ilk to actually get signed. Um, he said that like seeing them glow up that way and getting mainstream success. Uh, spurred them to keep building the groundwork in these talent shows and like building up this live resume they even linked up with a couple of future legends like sadar x and lord jamal were fans of their early work and actually helped them to record their first demo and the connection was so strong that l and Sadat x actually recorded music together they released an album entitled xl in 2018 which is pretty cool but it still needed something at this point for artifacts like They were respected. You know, their friends from the block were seeing them at these talent shows and like that's how they got their name, that's them. But they needed something to blow them up and they were recording demos and putting in work. But at this point, it was all local and some stuff in New York. And Elle actually said, whilst they were running around New York doing Lyricist Lounge and performing small shows, everyone legit thought they were New York artists. So they hadn't really distinguished themselves yet. Now, Tame told 1AMSF they were huge fans of Stretch and Bobbito, which is obviously the legendary radio show there's broken a lot of brilliant artists to be fair he said they would listen to it religiously so when they hosted a call-in freestyle battle um with first place was the honor of like hopping on the show and spitting live tame just like tapped straight in and fucking won it so stretch and Babido was so impressed and they invited tame into the studio so he bought l and chaos dj chaos with him and they just went in and apparently they were just rapping non-stop for like 25 30 minutes and Tame said we were just happy to be going there and just going in like they were really it's really interesting when they talk about it about how big fans they were of Stretch and Burbido. and Elle said that everything changed after that single day just being up on that radio station rapping like that and A&R at Big Beat and Atlantic Records was listening to the show and immediately called them up and invited them out onto the new artist circuit which was like clubs expensive wine food like you know trying to win them over and get them into the major label system so they signed to atlantic but as i said one thing had to change before this happened uh they were still going by the name that's them and the label immediately said no and implored them to come up with another name so they're sitting on the train back to newark with the wind knocked out of them obviously because the label was so excited they didn't even want to hear a demo from the group they're just like we've heard you rap we don't care man we'll just sign you off the strength of that that freestyle and stretch a bobito but the name needed to change, and it sounds simple in retrospect to change the name. But coming up with a whole new name to base your entire career around in a single train ride is not an easy task. And L just randomly said at the end of the train ride, I don't know why this came into my head right now, but artifacts. Now he told 1AMSF they went straight back to their crib to kind of tie it all together, like to understand the meaning, work out how they were gonna sell this new name and tie it into hip hop. He said this, he says, it meant everything we were trying to do at the time. Two black dudes from Newark, New Jersey, it took a role upon itself. We went back and said artifacts, and they were like, all right. So one part of the the name L explained, they felt like they were representing all the elements of hip-hop. As Charlie said, they came up graffitiing, and that would always be part of their group. Actually, in interviews, if you watch them on YouTube, they've, they're always drawing. Like, they're always... They've got paper in front of them. They've got big texters and they're just drawing on paper while they're doing the interviews. It's really cool. Uh, it's kind of like when Logic went up on the breakfast club and did the Rubik's Cube, but way less lame than that, like much cooler. Um, it's very sick. Okay. They, they, <laughs> I just had to throw so a stray at Logic. It just came into my head. I'm like, so, you know who I can drag right now? I could drag Logic and I'm never going to miss yeah. an opportunity to drag Logic. <laughs> so they all they all DJ, they could all rap, they all b-boyed uh and else they covered all the bases and artifacts explained all of that so we get their debut album uh between a rock and a hard place
1: yeah and um i can see why um the heads uh love uh, artifacts as a the heads the hip-hop heads, the heads. Uh, love artifacts as a, as a as a golden age um hip-hop staple um Obviously, considered probably more underground than most, but I feel like that's probably mostly just because they were from Jersey, right? Um, same with the likes of Noi by Nature um, that you mentioned. Um, and it's interesting because while I was listening to this, I was thinking of Naughty by Nature. It gave me that kind of essence. I was like, hmm, kind of give me Naughty by Nature vibes. And it can't be a coincidence, right? Um, and uh, on top of that, respect overall. Just respect the fact that um, there's no... Uh, Uh, features on this album when you know you mentioned a ton of names right there in terms of their come up lord jamal right etc etc and they could have easily you know packed the album full of uh, features i'm sure if they if they you know wanted to um but they didn't and uh in the same way as Nas, i respect
0: that (laughs) they did get red man they did get red man Sure. Okay. Coming through your fucking block.
1: Not, not on the, not, not on the, not, sp- not sp- explicitly, um, uh stated. But yes. That's, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, so uh, obviously some you know the popular tracks, wrong side of the tracks, come on with the get down. But even past that, you know, attack of New Jerusalem, uh, flexy with the technique, uh, lowered the boom, absolutely banging weed track, weed anthem. That one is. Um, there's just some really dynamite soul, dynamite soul. Oh, I love the samples all over this. They're Memorable, uh, the hooks are memorable. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to read one from uh, <laughs> Knotty Headed Nichols. Grace, uh, because I, I love the song, bro. Great I love song. the song. Might be my favorite um, on the album, Eric. Yeah, pr- yeah, definitely, probably my favorite. Um, just from the just from the bars, honestly. Like they go they go back and forth with it. They're trading. They're trading the mic. Uh, with a few bars. Uh, I'm trying to th- th- see the see the one that I wanted to get. Because one of them was just, just really fucking hit me. All right, I think it's the Senti on this one. Uh, it's the mister on a mission. Mixer of the rougher. Mix the snuff that get you up. But no style is tougher. I dismiss cruise. I bruise. Snooze you're losing. groove improving. I can do in men who went out smoother. Artifact chart. My rap gat starts to battle. Tracks be so fat so who dat. Nigga I be through the black. Done. (laughs) Just done. Just stop. (laughs) Stop it. Like, it's crazy. And they keep fucking going on Tame One here. I get biz on bitches, puff ears with my cousins, tame shit so wild, honeys roll their uh, their eyes with the teddy rug I hit mad skins and roll up bills on the reels. My skill's mad ill, but chill, kid, everything's real. From naps up top down to the wrinkles in my Reeboks. I'm up late like Leno playing demos from my toolbox. My crew rocks two blocks away from the Buddha spot. I'm out, but don't get fucked up because I want you to rock. It's crazy, bro. The wordplay on this track in particular is absurd. And they're just constantly trading the mic. They're not even doing, like, full-on verses. Just, you know, they're just nice, short, short and sweet. Here's the mic. Boom. Go for it. It's crazy. I just love that. I love that energy. Um, but, yeah, man, this is a, just an, uh, just a real... A real gem, a real hip hop gem. Uh, just one of those that you're not gonna get. Um, y- you're not gonna get on. You know, uh, best hip hop li- uh, best hip hop albums of the '90s, because there's obviously so many. But it, you know, it's, it's it's solid. There's some really good shit on here. Um, and I and you know, like you, like you mentioned, like I previously mentioned, the fact that they adhere to the elements as well it's just an immediate w for me immediate w for me regardless of that but past that damn bro, the, mm, just some nothing like some good old boom bat, bros there's some good shit all over this spot all over the spot
0: yeah absolutely some good jazz in here as well it's just great man and you know 94 was a stacked freaking year but just how stacked yep. it was is wild because in the same yep. four week period as we got this album we got Common's debut yep. album, Murder Was okay. The Case by Death Row, Blowout Comb oh. by Diggable Planets, The Diary by Scarface, yep. Twister's debut yep. album, The Coop's Genocide and Juice, Brand Nubian's Everything Is Everything, The Main Ingredient by Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Method Man's debut, Red Man's <laughs> sophomore, Cool Moe D's interlude, on this, get this, well, there is the
1: s- a dog slide, oh.
0: Bro, on the same day that they Four dropped weeks. this album, on the very same day, we got it was October eighteen, which is my birthday in '94. We got uh, the debut album from Death Row, Diggable Planets, The Coop, JT, The Bigger Figure, uh, Twister, and Scarface, all on the same freaking day, bro. That's like that's tough. that's how how you can compete. So to cut through all that noise, this album obviously had to be something special, and it is uh but not in the same way that i think most of those albums i mentioned were because i think those albums hit hard when they dropped because they're really of the time entirely but i felt like this album was in retrospect a bit of a breath of fresh air because you know boom Bap and mafioso rap ma- mafioso mafia mafia mafioso rap see when i do youtube this is where i can cut but i can't cut when this is fucking live but, like gangster rap was falling like a blanket across east coast rap you know g-funk was necessary on the west artifacts kind of dug back into the vault and brought this like late 80s energy without actually sounding dated which was super rare they picked up that yep. huge feature of Redman, who's actually team one's cousin which is something i never knew i never knew that um and obviously reggie noble can produce so he got behind the boards and produced that song now l recalled to one emsf that krs1 actually reviewed their album on hot 97 how crazy is that um, and KRS once said it's crazy that it took some dudes from New Jersey to do a song about graffiti that started in the Bronx So that's that throwback energy like they really went back to the five elements of hip-hop and focused on speaking on it and L said this he said just hearing that was big I think when we came came there. There was really no talk of elements of hip-hop at the time nobody really cared about b-boy graph everybody was just rhyming at the time that first album was pretty much everything we wanted to say. Anybody that we encountered before that got that before we got that record deal, it started to turn into the soundtrack of our life. Once we got that contract, now getting Buster, for example, on the final track on the remix um, is a really cool story. So, they told Twenty Four Seven Hip Hop the first time they met Buster was on a bus going to Morgan Stanley State College. Now, on this very bus, on this bus, there was artifacts. Buster rhymes. KMD, Leaders in New School, Jay Z, Original Flavor, Dame Dash on the same freaking bus, bro. That's crazy. Now, L said they were the only ones on the bus with a radio and they'd already had like six or seven songs from the record recorded. So, whilst everybody was in the front, they were in the back bumping their own new music. Now, L said that Buster Rhymes yelled out, Bring the radio to the front. He even does the Buster voice in the interview, it was great. And he snatches radio asked their name and told them, he'd heard them on Stretch and Bebido, and he just started listening to the album sampler. Now when Come On With That Get Down um, comes on, Buster Rhymes loses his freaking mind. He said he, that, L said he kept stopping it, rewinding it, playing it again, and he said if you ever wanna do a remix for this song, I wanna be on it. So L said that everyone on the bus just froze. They got off the bus, Buster Rhymes give them their number and promises to link up. They play this show, hop back on the bus, now, Jay Z makes a beeline for them and wants them to play the song again. He says, Yo, L, put that song on that joint, come on. So, L said they played the song all the way from DC to New York and the entire bus was singing the hook. And L said Jay Z was actually singing it the most. So, L said he would call Buster every now and then to stay tapped in. And he was hitting Buck Wild hard to get this remix done. Uh, but apparently, it was a slow process. But eventually, Buck just comes up with something off top on the MPC, lays it on the CD. L basically runs out of the house looking for Buster to hop on the remix, finds him at Soundtrack Studio, which is one of the most legendary recording studios in New York. Uh, DMX, De La Soul, Eve, Grand Puba, Run, DMC. Now Buster was recording his own debut album, which wouldn't actually drop until 96. So the beat comes on and Buster Rhymes goes crazy for it. But because they'd never collabed before, and I think this really highlights the difference between the old school and the new school, you know, nowadays, artists never even meet and they collab. But in this studio session, Buster was going up to Tame and L, demanding to see what they were writing and what their energy and their vibe was. And when Elle got in the booth, Buster actually came in with him to feel his energy in order to write and perform it. So I thought that was a crazy great story. The album is really well received critically, but doesn't do much commercially. In an interview with Listen Vision, L says they chose Wrong Side as the first single simply because the album was being played in a club and when the DJ got to that track, he stopped playing the rest of the album. He just put that one song on repeat, which is a common way to find your first single. Um, I feel like both sides of this coin have a different view on the commercial success of the album. Like L said, the same t- told the same interviewer he was happy with the first week sales, and the label was shocked at how well it did. But obviously, they only got one more album, and the next album, and and why they broke up we'll talk about it when we get to it, but party, partly it was due to the lack of commercial success they were having. Um, outside of the commercial success, obviously, Elle said people loved it at live shows, loved the album, uh, not just for the vibe, but the lyrical content, and he told Listen Vision they didn't really expect to build a devoted following because they were purposefully outside the gangster rap phenomenon, but they were pleasantly surprised that people were really connecting with the content, which obviously heavily blended the five elements, which was kind of the key to that album. And then we get... Their next album that's them
1: yeah and um yeah so it's it's some it's, um, it's unfortunate that uh, you mentioned somewhere in, in somewhere in the middle there that um uh, one of them one of them basically said that you know uh it's folk people just focus on rapping now um and not actually you know the other the other elements and you know i've been i've been meditating on that recently just about like Trying to pinpoint when did that happen? You know, when when did just people, uh, when did when did artists and especially just stop like uh, messing with that? You know, they 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 dealt with the fashion because you know obviously music videos and how you look that does a lot for that does a lot a lot in terms of creating a fan base, etc., etc. Et right? Obviously the music itself, da 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 da. But you know the people. People don't talk about people don't talk about dancing because yeah, but they I don't think dance. I want to I want to
0: like we talk, we did talk about this when we talked I forget which episode it was we talked about the way that the five elements evolved and you know graffiti I'll find the yeah. graffiti we'll f- evolved into art it gro- evolved into the artwork on your album um, <clears throat> you know I don't think it was anywhere near as prevalent after like the, the, the mid eighties and it's the, still the 70s. fringe. It's still fringe it's bro. fringe it is fringe i mean if someone puts time and effort and energy into their album art like it's it's uncommon but it is beautiful when it happens like you know for example i've got uh speaker box love below on vinyl and honestly i'm saying that like that's a version of what that element is in in hip-hop like the the artwork is beautiful and then obviously break dancing turned into just straight up dancing which i feel like <clears throat> you know artists like missy Elliott was pushing really hard in the late 90s and early 2000s so you know djing sure. turned into um you know just production in general so i do think that they existed but they just weren't you know as they're called artifacts like they're literally just like <laughs> preserving these elements in granite and it's fucking amazing the way they do it but yeah
1: yeah um it helps if i go on the ditd uh Episodes, not what's good for some reason. I don't know why. I just
0: don't <laughs> even remember what episode was. Just eh? picked, I just
1: picked the wrong, I just picked the entirely wrong podcast uh, to look up to search. I was like, where is it? Where is it? Like an idiot. Um, uh, maybe, maybe episode 21 uh, mate 29 uh, let me look it up right quick. But yeah, I'm trying to find it. But, um, uh, talk about le- no, it's not that one, but yeah, I'll, we'll find it. We'll find guys. It. Um, but yeah, we'll find it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I know, I get, I guess, um. I don't know. I I find it um just a bit uh I I do I do st- I do find it a bit weird and obviously a lot of it just um comes down to just um you know just hip hop music specifically um just being commercialized right and everything when it comes to that everything gets boiled down in some fashion and you lose a bit of that um and. Uh, I don't know if uh, artifacts ever even got the chance to dilute themselves, if that makes any sense. Um, but they didn't. Um, and getting to the second album that you mentioned, um, uh, oh, fucking hell, yeah. So that's them. Funny enough, obviously, because you said that's uh, that was the initial name, which is uh, very uh funny uh, to think about. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a, it's another one. It's another solid one. Um, I guess. Um. Now, since it's ninety seven I would I would assume that people just weren't people just moved ahead to that point. Um and uh, people weren't going for going for this type of uh, this this type of anymore. Um it was obviously started to historically it was just starting to get out of that uh out of the boom bap era and um just evolving to um just a mo different, something different. Um but Regardless of that, I still feel you know it's a solid album. It's good stuff. There's some really good stuff all over here. Uh, Where your skills at the ultimate? Uh, uh, return to the wrong sides. Art of facts. <laughs> it's great. Uh, this the way. This is the way. Break it down. Some good stuff all over here, man. Um, as, as as always. Um, but yeah, it kind of um gives me. It kind of just gives me that uh, that. I guess disappointment that they just got, they just got lost in the sh- lost in the deck. You know, they just got lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, it's obviously a pact. You know, from ninety, what ninety two onwards, it was, just, it was just constantly like. I mean, like you said, for the first albums, even on the same day, tons of shit dropping. Um, and uh, you know, I guess just one of those one of those albums that just got uh, lost in lost in the deck shuffle.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's. I can't
1: find this episode for the fucking life of me.
0: <laughs> you remember about a eh, like? I can't remember which one it was. I
1: know. I do remember it. I just can't. Like, I'm trying to gather it by the by the end. I'm just like, mm, maybe that. No, I don't know. We'll find it. Yeah, I mean, we will find it. Come hell or high water.
0: The debut album clearly did enough for them to get a re-up. and they decided to name their second album it was probably after a bias.
1: That's what it was. It was probably a bias. Right, yeah, I
0: reckon it might have been a bias actually. <laughs> might have been it a was a pretty long time ago. It would have been like at least yeah. a year ago yeah yeah we got definitely. a lot of apps man we got a lot of apps we we're getting we there 200 coming 200 coming up but yeah man this this album it sounds great like i love this record because it's unapologetically them you know they didn't try and match the sound of the time which is obviously being defined by diddy and bad boy and they tied the production up you know we have sean j period Lauren finesse team one even produced a track on here I think L levels up immensely as an MC, one of the biggest glow ups we've ever talked about in the podcast, I think, anyway. You know, I'm thinking similar to Evidence in that sense, which isn't super common for MCs, you know, at least not to this degree. I felt like L might have even just shaded Team One on this album, which is not the case on the debut at all. And what I like about Sean J. Period producing, he was actually a label mate of Artifacts and became a close collaborator. He managed to keep those sample-based sound Incorporating jazz to add that late 80s like native tongues edge But he tightened it and turned it into something contemporary now He has production credits for bootcamp click uh, most deaf helter-skelter and mad skills And he actually worked on black star on their legendary debut He actually worked with Jay Electronica on L's solo work L told IMSF the producer was playing all the samples himself in order to avoid copyright infringement he said, Sean is a good dude for him to leave us and work with so many artists. Most deaf heard what we heard in him. Sean is our sound. Another cool story on this album is Gruff Rhino producing ingredients to time travel. Is Gruff Rhino is the person who introduced L to Team One. So that was a really cool full circle moment. But I think the real story to come out of this album is obviously the breakup. Um, you know, I guess that's every something everybody wants to hear uh, because so many groups <coughs> from the, excuse me, from the 90s, <coughs> oh it's that peanut butter man it's that peanut butter coming back yeah so many groups from the 90s made it to the late 90s but very few Quality. made it very oh yeah which one uh episode 66 volume 2 the the itv bites volume 2 wow yeah 66 Please that's ages old. ago yeah was like two years july 7th 2020 ago. all right great up great up check it out Can't answer that ladies and gentlemen um yeah, like the breakup. So talking to Listen Vision, uh, they said the split was amicable and was necessary for both the longevity of the group and the viability of each of them as solo artists. I think L's words on this were the wisest. He says, I don't care what nobody says. When you're doing this rap shit, it's like being in a relationship. With the shit that you go through in this industry, you wouldn't believe the shit that goes on. We can only record the records. We're almost scared to put it in somebody's hands because you don't know what's going to happen to it. When we up at the label, oh sorry, when we were were up at the label, they told us you're only as good as your last album. This dude is telling me because you're on tour is the only reason this record is selling. Nobody at the label is doing shit for you. I knew from there just the frustration to get them to follow the blueprint. We got all this press, but it still wasn't happening. So DJ Chaos then explained that because Beat Beat, Big Beat, sorry, switched over to Atlantic, they got bought out. Now they had to start competing with all of Atlantic's artists. So, Aaliyah, Junior Mafia, Fat Joe. L said the label just went to where, well, Fat Joe was big back then, man. Like, poor, like, you know, yeah. double entendre, but like, Fat Joe was was massively. He was, I mean, uh, Artifacts were going on 140 on the Billboard 200. These artists were going top 10, top 5, top 2. Yeah, so, L said the label just went to where the money was, and the money was not in mm-hmm. Artifacts. He said the pressure of growing up and being an adult in this shit and things not going the way you wanted to, we were at a point where we were like, let's shut this shit down. We just hit a wall. We can't doing this, can't keep doing this. And Tame said that they were pigeonholed. He said, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. I had a lot of material to perform that wasn't in the artifacts guidelines. I was talking a lot of shit and I didn't want to reflect on the artist. I was talking a lot of shit that I didn't want to reflect on the artifact's legacy, which is really interesting that's really interesting you know we talk about why do these groups break up so many times and basically what team one is saying here is i wanted to preserve artifacts you know i wanted to go and do other things i didn't want to dilute their legacy and i think that's a point that we or certainly i have missed a lot of times when we've seen these groups break up and we've been like why have they broken up you know even look at outcast with big boy going on and doing his solo work it's like why couldn't why couldn't andre be involved in that somehow why couldn't that come out under the outcast label because it's, it's almost like a cage, that group, you know? It's like Outcast or Artifacts or Dilated Peoples or, you know, tribal Quest. They were all, like, incredible. Well, Brand sorry. Nubian, Side. Mm-hmm. you know, there's so many. Uh, they have this beautiful legacy. Fuji's as well, man. Fuji's as well. It's like if we start doing music completely out of that realm, it's going to really confuse fans. And it just keeps that purity of that message. And I quite like that. So... They obviously did a lot of work solo. team um, went on to become an underground legend. He joined Weatherman alongside Cage, LP, Cannibal Ox. He dropped a, a PCP tribute album with Cage under the name Leak Bros. Very weird album. Uh, he did 10 solo albums. He actually dropped a collab album with Del the Funky Homo Sapiens. Um, L dropped 11 what? projects himself. Uh, you know, it didn't actually look like things were going to ever return to normal. They performed Wrong Side together in 2009. So that was, what, 11, 12 years after the, the breakup. Um, and, yeah, man, that was at New Jersey's Rocksteady Crew anniversary weekend. They came back the next year and actually performed under the name Artifacts. Now, in 2012, they hopped on the remix of Every Day in the Street of uh, L's New World remix EP. Then we got Easter, which was actually their first proper single in 15 years. That dropped in 2012. Um, and it was fresh man it was really fresh it was a brilliant boom bat beat and team one hops on with some wild rhyme schemes It was a brilliant cut it's a great song one of their best i think now in 2013 they did a song on marco polo's album called back to work and l actually said this was the shift he said this the young cats follow this dude they believe in everything he's doing for these young dudes who the hell is half of these dudes on his record he's talking about marco polo the names of the 90s when they mentioned us to be on this record, in their mind, they only knew that. So Chaos said the whole time, Artifacts was part of them, like it was just who they were, even though they weren't recording music under that label. During the interview with Listen Vision, l actually pulls up his sleeves and shows his Artifacts tattoo. Now when Listen Vision asked how they ironed out their differences and managed to actually reunite, Team just said it was never personal, and L said the fans wanted them back, and feeling the energy at that, that festival in 2009, it spurred Elle to feel like it was necessary for them to come back, and so we get their final album, no expiration date,
1: yeah, and um, yeah, it comes along with uh Buck Wild as well, and um I feel like the album itself, and you know you're talking about not uh, you're talking about dilution and just um, you know not trying to uh not trying to taint the brand or whatever, and um, I feel like that's probably. If you're going to break up, that's probably the best reason, you know, to not do it, right? Um, apart from, you know, one of you were saying that I was thinking of Far Side where they just, you know, kept going for a couple of albums and it just, it didn't feel the same. Um, but, you know, I respect the fact that they just stopped and just straight up stopped and didn't try to, you know, get someone else in, maneuver it. Um, the only time that probably worked was maybe Slum Village. Um, that I'm trying to think of off top of my head, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, inter- yeah. it's interesting, yeah. interesting, Um, but yeah, man, this album's oh. fine. Um, dropped obviously th- recently. Um, I think uh, last week, uh, last not last week, uh, last a uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, it's it's kind of dark. Um, in comparison to the others, uh, the the other two, um, they're very. You know, the other two are very sprightly, very energetic, charismatic, um, and uh, just some classic boombap. Um, this one kind of has a more darker streak to it. Um, I don't know if I'll chalk that up to uh, just uh, them evolving, um, or the addition of Buckwilds. Um, who knows? Uh, someone has probably has a better answer, than, <laughs> a better, an actual answer for that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. There's some good stuff on here, um, all over the spot. Um, but yeah, I'll just, I'll just kind of taken aback by the more, more, more darker nature of, um, of the, of the music, um, especially production
0: wise. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, I think it's an interesting, album. it's a really interesting album, you know, I think it's, firstly, it's quite natural, I think for them to link up with Buckwild for a full project. Someone who was really instrumental, excuse the second double entendre of the episode, um, he was instrumental in the it's sound of right, their right. debut record. I'm on fire today. On. The uh, yeah. the album is is a throwback to me. Um, I think apart from lyrically, it is more of the same in that sense. It's stacked with brags and expressions of their unique lyricism. But um, yeah, lyrically, it's it's more. Well, I mean, they've they've been through a lot more. They've lived a lot more. They've experienced a lot more. They've. What I found fascinating is like obviously they've got a lot of solo projects each. I mean, what I say, tame had ten. And L had eleven or something, but then to get to twenty twenty and create a project as artifacts and for it to sound so similar to their previous work, but just like updating where they're at psychologically, I found that really fascinating. It's one of my favorite kind of changes in that sense. Like even with Dilated Peoples, I didn't feel, I didn't necessarily feel like that that growth from Evidence as an MC on that final album. I think it was Directors of Photography in their, t- their 2010s album or whatever it was. I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like, oh, okay, we're getting the solo evidence. I felt like we're getting the dilated people's evidence. But on this, I feel like we're getting more of the solo stuff, but they're kind of melding it into the Artifact Sound. I thought it was quite well done, actually. Um, but honestly, to be fair, if you listen to those three records back to back and not knowing when they dropped, I don't think I can tell you just by listening which was their debut and which was their 2022 album. I don't know if I could do that. Do you reckon you could do that? I
1: would I would say the first two are definitely firmly nineties, right? And I you know, if you dare me to pick a year, then yeah, probably I'd get it wrong. Um I'd say probably like ninety three ish, but um yeah. I don't I don't know about the I don't know about the last one. I don't know if I, what I'd pick for it. Um it kind of gives off the notion that it's more contemporary um with just how i guess there's you know plenty of other uh older uh hip-hop artists that are doing similar work um and having that uh contemporary feel but also that throwback feel and trying to balance the two um i don't know what year i would pick i would hesitate i would probably saying 90s but i wouldn't be as confident saying that as the other two the other two are firmly 90s for me um but yeah the last one i'd probably have a few i'd probably probably take me a few guesses
0: yeah i agree i agree um yeah man i i don't think much more needs to be said about this honestly i'm i'm happy to to get the way that we got from this like i don't feel cheated or undernourished by a lack of music um, you know three group albums in nearly 30 years seems pretty barren but the albums are timeless I feel like they slip into any setting seamlessly obviously we get oh, bulk yeah. solo work um, you know I will admit I never spun Artifacts before this week I had heard of Tame One so. and L before um, but yeah I hadn't sat down and spun their music understanding their importance to the progression of New Jersey rap from this side gives a lot more weight mm-hmm. to the tributes that have been flowing in for Team One obviously Ride Digger massive massive just Blaze, LP, Redman, uh, his influence and energy is clear. And the way that Artifacts lifted New Jersey into the hip-hop limelight in an entirely unique way by blending the five elements of hip-hop and keeping them contemporary when the mess of rest of mainstream hip-hop had kind of moved on, I think that's immense. You know, we often speak about the lost art of the DJ. I think chaos is proof of how potent it can be when you commit to it and truly give the DJ their shine. Um, I just think just as much as their pioneer status... Their legacy will also include quality. All three albums are close to an eight or a nine out of 10. And there isn't many groups or artists who could ever say that. So yeah, man, fucking love, yep. love it.
1: Yeah, I think the New Jersey element is probably the legacy thing, right? And how people will uh, how people carry that um, with the names you mentioned. I feel like those people will definitely um, do their best to keep that. Um, artifact's name alive is, is just, um, you know, I I wanted to do this because of the because of these lot, you know what I mean? And uh that's that's as that's as much as you can do as an artist to keep it as pure as possible to you know, just to inspire others to, you know, get their own thing going. And um to get that and to see that outpouring. Obviously a recent uh Death of Tame one, um, was kind of uh overwhelming in a lot of ways because I was just like Oh right, I didn't. Did I didn't know the. I didn't know the roots went so deep for for people, um. And you know, it's just another confirmation of just how, uh, of how small the world is, but also how big the world is in a lot of ways. Um. So yeah, sh- shout out to shout out to Artifact.
0: Mhm. For sure.
1: Well, it's all like a note. Um, Black Panther two. Right. So I went with my pops and my uh, best mate D, and uh, I feel like I probably should have gone on my own um it just it felt because i mean i've been i've been you know i've I've I regularly go to films on my own right um not 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 in recent years but like you know when i was in uni constantly went to films like i went to one of my best day one of my favorite days ever just memory memory wise was um i I skipped a seminar to uh go see uh, the same day i went to see hidden Figures. Um, with two friends, and then I saw Fences on my own, and then like at midnight I saw Moonlight, and it was just one of the best days ever because it was just dedicated to just watching those free outstanding films. And um, I remember I saw and Black Panther I saw on my own while I was in Southampton, and it gave me such a deep rush. Um, I remember just riding. I remember coming out of the cinema with such energy, um, and just riding home, uh, on like a bike, just peddling it, because I had, I wanted to talk about it, I wanted to gas it up, um, I wrote so much after 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 that, um, just that night, I was just so energized to write, um, and obviously this film comes out of um the death of Chadwick and uh and kind of. Having to scrap the scrap the idea of the of what the second film would be, um, to obviously rejig it and um, not not recast and go down another route. Um, so with that said, I highly respect um Ryan Coogler and Joe uh, Joe jo, jo Robert Cole for writing it and um just doing it in that just unimaginable circumstance. Um, but with that said. While I enjoyed the film overall, um, I do have like nitpicks. Um, you know, obviously in these, this day and age, like it's just in, uh, it's kind of impossible to just have a film that of this of this magnitude that has good CGI on a <laughs> uh, uh, from start to finish. There's always a couple of scenes that just come off as Ugh, just looking, just not looking right. You know what I mean? Just looking artificial, looking synthetic, and you know you get some of that here. Um, the action scenes are a bit. You know, they're not as um, they're not as fleshed out as like, um, you know, the Busan scene um, in the first film, which is, you know, iconic, iconic fight choreography, you know, just and how they how they jump from the first floor, jump from the balcony with like a, a Koye and then coming down to see Nakia fight as well. And uh, Martin Freeman and uh, and uh, T'Challa just talking, whatever. Um, you know, you don't have that. You don't have those set pieces um or as fleshed out set pieces. Um watching my kind of float uh not float flood Oh, uh, was kind of fascinating, and that was actually a cool, nice uh cool moment uh visually. Um but yeah, there was just like there was just like a couple of nitpicks I had with it, and I I, I say that obviously fully understanding of how deep um it, it goes for you know the people involved um but yeah it kind of just set up it, it kind of came off as a bridge film when I, when I finished it I was just like I kind of just want to see the third one now and maybe you know see the first one you know in, in in due time but I don't know I don't really have that much energy to watch the second one um I feel like it will it will hit a lot of people hard especially if you've suffered a recent uh death in the uh, a recent death in your life um it'll definitely uh hit you with that um uh with that permission to be angry and to and to be um, and to want to burn the world down as um as a, a shuri who's um uh played by Elsie Tisha right um is kind of just she's kind of like center of the of the film and it kind of goes through her and you know she expresses how angry she is and uh she has she has that ability to do so which is rarely seen for black women in film and i respect that um but yeah uh i i don't know i just feel i'm not comparing it to the first film it's, it's obviously you know kind of redundant to do so um but yeah just as a standalone i had uh, i just i just had um i don't know i kind i kind of left feeling a type of way that I can't really explain at this point. Maybe maybe in due time I'll f- I'll find the I'll I'll find the words for it. Um for, apart from the nitpicks I've given. But um Oh and also, fuck, some of the some of the water scenes, man, the ocean scenes are just dark. They like and I mean dark in terms of like seeing it. Dark. <laughs> like like it just makes Avatar two look so much fucking better, and I just wanted—I just wanted to see it. I see Avatar two straight after. I was just like, "Can we just see that now?" Because that shit looks great. That shit looks fleshed out, and this—I'm just looking. I, I don't know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? And obviously, for some scenes, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, shout out to—I um, forget his name. Uh, I forgot his name, but uh, Namur, who the actor for that, completely steals the film um his his, the villain arc is just crazy um understandable as well by the way um uh, (laughs) i saw a tweet recently it was like uh ryan kugler write a um, write a non-logical uh villain challenge um (laughs) because all of his villains just fucking make sense all the time and you just think you're just sitting there going i can see that yeah 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 i mean it makes sense apart from you know like a uh, Lex L- Lex Luger for uh, from fucking Superman, it's just like I want to kill Superman. It's like okay, cool geese, uh sure, but these guys, you know, Killmonger and uh, Namor, they just have genuine arguments to make, and I love that. Just from a contextual perspective, fucking love it. So, uh, yeah, man, it's solid. I highly recommend people watch it. Um, don't let my nitpicking and you know, kind of mid feelings about it. Um stir you away from it it is very powerful um it's very long i would say it's a bit too long um but that's only because i feel like they had a lot to just pack in here um they had to kind of use this as also as a jumping off point for riri williams ironheart and that tv series coming soon um i feel like that that sh- probably should have been out of the way i feel like they didn't really do much with her. Um, they just you know just saying, oh look, look at his face, oh new I- female lion man, black girl, da Like it, it didn't it didn't really didn't mesh that well um, with the entire thing. Apart from that one scene where she arrives at Wakanda and the kind of like uh, uh, expresses how an African American would feel um in that moment, uh, which is kind of interesting contextually. But you know, I just feel there was a bit too much on the on the Disney checklist, especially you know on the mcu checklist need to do this need to do this so it can set up this later on it's just like just just let us just let us do the chadwick stuff and keep it moving but obviously they had to pack all that shit in so uh yeah a little bit bloated but um yeah man highly recommend it um go on your own because i feel like going with people um i don't know i just i feel like i probably should have gone on my own in hindsight but yeah how long was that fuck i i ran it <laughs>
0: I mean you gotta equal my Jeez. NAS rant, so
1: In it yeah, yeah, kinda. <laughs> Fuck.
0: I wanna go watch oh, it. Oh gosh. I really do. I saw the first one three times. I saw it by myself the first oh, time, really? with my parents yeah. the second time, and actually on a date the third time. Um Sweet. very curious to see this new one. Uh, I've been like looking forward to it for years, so uh, yeah, I wanna yeah, give it a watch. Yeah, some
1: good there's some good stuff there. Oh, one more thing. Give Ruth Carter every single fashion, every single costume award there is that is the MVP of this MVP of this film. Like the, the kit everyone's wearing is just fucking outstanding. Like absolutely fucking top notch. Crazy fucking costumes. So yeah, um so many oh, oh just so many highlights on that front. But yeah. Um yeah, solid, solid stuff. <sighs> I need a drink. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> I usually save this shit for what's good but here we are. But anyway, uh, <laughs> do you want to finish that? Interview? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm
0: I I'm happy to finish there.
1: All narsed out. Okay, good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, final for- <laughs> <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> This is a dig dig. So if you enjoyed this episode, I have a chat to the firm.
0: i for numbers.
1: We hope you all have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same but until the next time. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. <laughs> Digging in digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece of video games by Bonus Points. Thanks to short music for the ability to use. Socials for the filament hip hop band Numbers Bonus Points and short music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been Fifth in Podcast and Production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time. Dig in, in the digits.